0: Welcome to the City Collective Church podcast. We believe you're we better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Hello City Collective. Good morning. How are you? Pastor Zoe here. Uh, I get to complete um, the series uh, Song of Summer or the Songs of Summer rather and uh, we began uh, the Songs of Summer, um, gosh, must have been like eight, no not eight weeks ago, six weeks ago, something like that and I began it with Psalm 88 which is the darkest Psalm in the No. Ending note of hope, but the last word in the psalm in Hebrew is the word darkness, and uh, we continue to traverse this wonderful and mysterious and strange and awe-inspiring book ever since. And uh, we've, we've gone through um, Psalm 88, Psalm 51 with Pastor Jason, uh, Psalm 62, uh, Psalm 72, Psalm 142. All of these incredible psalms and, and reaching um, topics such as repentance. That was the Psalm 51. Do you guys remember that? It was awesome. Um, also, um, justice within the Solster. And the Solster, again, is the name of the entire book. Um, that was a great message from Claire Williams. Absolutely love her. She's brilliant. And so this has just been such an incredible journey through this book. And I hope that you have been reading it at home on your own because you're, you'll get far more out of it reading it at home every single day than you possibly can by only listening uh, to Pastor Jason or I or a guest speaker on Sundays. Um, Really what I think our hearts were for this series is that you could feel equipped to dig into the book of Psalms yourself and hear God's voice speak to you and I hope that that has happened uh, for you. Uh, I know it has for me. So, the psalm that we're going to start with today is Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 uh, goes like this The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Psalm 23. And it is an incredible psalm, arguably the most famous piece of scripture um, in the Psalms, for sure, um, and possibly even in the Bible. Um, Most Christians I come across will know either Psalm 23, Romans 8, you know, Genesis 1-1, those sorts of things, and um, almost everybody I come across has at least heard of a section of Psalm 23, in particular the one that comes to mind uh, is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can often hear those at funerals or um, within movies or books or whatever, and it seems to have made an enormous impact on our planet this psalm um, including the person Jesus now this is really interesting it seems um, out of all of the different metaphors and images uh, for God in the Old Testament and if you think about it there's quite a few Um, God is our refuge he is our rock he is our buckler our shield um, a strong tower Uh, all of these sorts of images of of who God was uh, or or revealed himself to be to the Old Testament peoples, Um, Jesus, it seems like his favorite one to pick up on as he's describing who he is as the second person of the Trinity, as God incarnate, Um, he prefers to describe himself as a shepherd. Um, Whether it's in John 10, and he says outright, uh, I am the good shepherd. Or um, other other parts of, of Scripture, for instance, uh, Luke fifteen, where um, Jesus is about to deploy this uh, tripart um, parable of who he is. You know the the good sh- the the shepherd that won't leave uh, the one. Uh, he will leave the ninety nine to find the one. He won't leave the one. Um, And he's a good shepherd in that sense. Um, he's also the woman that won't give up until she finds the coin and also the father who waits for the son to return to welcome him back into his family. And so Jesus seems to repeat it, uh, seems to time and time again, there we go, uh, describe himself as a shepherd and use that in order to describe who he is. So this shepherd image for the person of God is absolutely enormous. And it's interesting. I'm I'm actually pulling from the work of a gentleman named Dr. Kenneth Bailey. And believe it or not, he is a world expert on um, the shepherd motif or the shepherd image within the entire Bible. I know it's super Bible geeky. I You, you probably didn't know that somebody could specialize in something like that, but they can. And it's awesome. Uh, He's an American, but he uh, taught in a Bible college, a a seminary um, over in, I believe it was Lebanon for about 30 years before he returned to the U.S. And it was the the stuff that he that he writes is absolutely incredible. Um, The book that I'm drawing from for, for this talk in particular, excuse me, for this talk in particular, is called The Good Shepherd. And it's, uh, and it's incredible. It's such a great book. It was a gift that was given to me, and it changed my my whole view of uh, the shepherd uh, within the Bible, because it's not only in uh, Jesus's own teachings, but it's also in, in Psalm 23. And it'll be picked up by uh, the prophets later on in the biblical story. It'll be picked up by Jeremiah. It'll be picked up by Ezekiel. It'll be picked up by so many other authors until finally Jesus picks it up And runs with it um, to places that nobody else dared to run with it And it's so cool, it's so fascinating Anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent So let's dive right into our text So this text that Jesus thought was so incredible Starts off by saying The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I shall not want Guys, this is this is so incredible. So you got to think that this this is probably already a thousand years old by the time Jesus is around. So this is a, a very old text, and I think what this is trying to um, paint a picture of for us is David's spiritual journey. It's a reflection of his spiritual journey. He's painting this picture. This is how my walk with God has been. And he writes us down for everyone to enjoy and to every for everybody to grow and to contribute to the growing, progressing revelation of who God is for God's people and what he's going to do in his world uh, before Jesus comes. And so David is saying here that the Lord has been my shepherd. Now, I... Um, I used to be uh, an apologist, and that means that we'd go around to different university campuses, um, uh, whether it was in Europe or the UK or Canada, and we would have discussion with people of other religions, um, other worldviews, whether it was um, agnosticism, or um, if it was uh, atheism, or Islam, or any of those sorts of things. I don't know of any worldview, where God is involved, because not every worldview has God, that they would dare to, to articulate a closeness to God in these terms. David here is saying, he's not just a shepherd, he's not just a good shepherd, but the Lord is, he's my shepherd. There is this closeness of relationship that David has come to enjoy. Now we know from reading other psalms in this series that David was a bit of a rascal and t- at times committed grave injustices. And so we've learned a lot about David. And we've also talked about how David, uh, how God isn't going to just let those sorts of things transpire without sort of any sort of retribution. But throughout all of his challenges, whether it was running from Saul or running from other enemies or running from people that were trying to kill him, including his own family, all of the trials and tribulations that David has been through. At the end of the day, David says, God has been there for me. He's my shepherd and I haven't wanted now, you might think, oh, what do you mean by I shall not want? Does that mean that any want of mine will be met as soon as I become a, um, a Christian, a follower of Jesus? And the answer to that is no. I, the prosperity gospel is so wrong. And I am so sorry if somebody tried to manipulate this uh, scripture in the past in order to try to get you to do something along those lines of, hey, if you give, you'll get this from God, or whatever, that sort of thing. That's that's not in the Bible at all. When he says, I shall not want, we have to think, okay, David is portraying us, himself, as the sheep. We are the sheep. God is the shepherd. And a shepherd's responsibility is to meet the needs for the sheep. That's who God is. That's who David working through the Spirit is revealing who God's character has has been in his own life and wants to be in yours. He leads us. And he is going to satisfy our needs. The Bible is never against your satisfaction. I I challenge you to try and find a verse the Bible is not against um, your satisfaction. It is for your satisfaction. In fact, it wants to satisfy your satisfaction better than any other thing can satisfy you. C.S. Lewis, um, C.S. Lewis in his uh, famous um, uh, sermon, The Weight of Glory, says it's not that our satisfactions is it's not that our desires are too strong uh, for God Uh, they're actually too weak Uh, we mess around with food and drink and sex and all of these sorts of things when infinite satisfaction is available through God and that's something we're thinking about and that's what David is reflecting on here God is for your satisfaction Next, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Now, uh, a, a former colleague of mine would often remark, because he was born and raised in the Middle East, and and um, and same thing with, with uh, Dr. Bailey in his research. You now, he's writing from somebody that's been in the Middle East for decades and decades and decades, And so we have to try and like almost like get into that headspace of of what is this going to look like if you're a little sheep? What's priority? Probably priority number one, and it's to get enough food, and it's to get enough drink. And so the shepherd is going to now lead the sheep into the wilderness. And as he leads them into the wilderness, especially in the time of David, there are all sorts of challenges that could arise. There is no police force. There is no military uh, surveying the the landscape. It is, excuse me, it is you in the wilderness. So that means if a a band of raiders comes or if a wild beast rocks up and wants to take one of your sheep, like that's a, that's a serious life and death sort of situation. Um, 3000 years ago. And so the sheep are feeling comfortable because the shepherd is the one leading them, and the shepherd is going to take them to the food and to the water and as he goes out, you know a sheep pardon part of me a sheep they what do they like to eat? they like to eat uh, grass, so the shepherd gets them to some green pasture to some grass, and then this is something you may not know. Um, why it says still waters? This has been something I've thought about for a long time until Kenneth Bailey um, pointed it out. And in the Middle East, um, sheep over there will not drink from uh, rushing water or moving water. This is actually that's really fascinating. I was like I didn't suspect that at all from sheep. That's a silly thing for them not to do, um, and. But once he breaks it down, uh, it actually makes a lot of sense. And the reason is, is that sheep, um, at the best of times, aren't the most stable of animals um, in terms of balance. So if a sheep was to go and um, he, you know, like, let's say there's some water right here, and, and, the, and the sheep comes up, and he like bends over to start drinking this, this moving water, it can start getting into his wool. And if enough water gets onto his wool, now he's going to be weighed down. And the engineers amongst us will know that if you're already kind of on an angle like this, and this end starts getting um, heavier and heavier as it gets wetter and wetter, um, what's going to happen? Well, that poor little sheep is going to tumble over and fall into the water, and um, it, will, it will die, it will drown. Sheep are not good swimmers. So what the shepherd has to do is not only find water, which can be a difficult thing to do in the wilderness, but he has to find still water for them to drink at. And if you think of what this actually means, it means that the a good shepherd will find water for their sheep at by any means necessary, despite all costs the shepherd will quench the thirst of the sheep. And part of the reason for that, that we know is right from our text here, um, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd's reputation in a ancient honor-shame culture, the shepherd's reputation is now on the line. Will he be a negligent shepherd? Will he be an incompetent shepherd? No, the good shepherd will not. He will get the sheep to the food and will get them to still water. And it says here, if we just backtrack a little bit, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. When he says to make me lie down, that's actually an unfortunate translation. But because what he's actually really saying is that when a sheep is, the only time to get a sheep to lay down is when a sheep has a full tummy, its thirst has been quenched, and feels free to relax because there's an absence of any sort of threat. It's the only time, according to Kenneth Bailey, who's looking at sheep in the Middle East, this is the only time that they feel at, at the right place to be able to settle down. And again, the shepherd here, who's the good shepherd, is saying that for my namesake, my honor, is on the line. I will be true to my word. And I will get you to that point little sheep where you are satisfied and you can lay down and begin to digest all the good stuff that I've provided for you. And that's really good news. Now as we continue on through Psalm 23 it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of a death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you have to picture this. Um, in the Middle East with these shepherds, um, what is their rod and their staff going to look like? Well, their staff is going to look like a, a nice long branch and, and maybe has a nice hook on it maybe an additional small little thick branch at the end of it because well just in case a little sheep um, gets caught in something maybe caught in a thicket or maybe um, over just about to go over an edge or in a hole the shepherd needs something that's nice and long and is able to rescue the sheep if it finds itself in a precarious place. The second bit here is this rod And this rod uh, back then would have been this uh, piece of wood and it would have been an extremely hard piece of wood. And sometimes even they would take chunks of iron and and kind of like force it in, hammer it in, in a sense, into the end. And you would feel, um, well, the the, the sheep in, in here, King David, says that the fact that you have these things is a great comfort to me. And I need you to to imagine for me that you're walking through an alley and you're in downtown, let's say it's Toronto, downtown Toronto, downtown Vancouver, wherever. And you're walking down an alley that perhaps you don't know. And it's starting to get a little dark. And you see a couple of dudes or a couple of ladies and they're looking a little rough. And you're starting to feel some sweat come on because you're not sure how this Interaction, how that's going to end. Uh, It could end very poorly for you. So you might feel a little bit terrified. But suppose further that uh, you look behind you, and all of a sudden um, you see a person with this big rod, this big piece of wood, mangling, gnarly pieces of iron sticking out the end. So large, like you know, there's some serious girth there. And then you, you, and as you see that person walking behind you, and you see these really dodgy characters looking in front of you. You look behind, and and as that person comes behind with that rod, and hey, you, you know what? It turns out that that's your best friend that's coming, and you're like, that's that's incredible. That's really good news, because you know your your best friend that's coming up behind you is going to be able. To help you and protect you. And that's the sort of idea that's trying to be communicated here in Psalm 23. That God is the one that, despite the fact that there are real terrors out there, real threats out there. That our God is a God who, in a metaphorical sense, has a rod and a staff with him to protect what's his Again, it's the integrity of his name that's at stake here. That he is willing and wanting and competent enough to protect his sheep. And that's what he does here. Then, this is very interesting, all of a sudden, the metaphor switches and no longer is... God or Yahweh in the Old Testament, a shepherd, but now he's this host. It reads like this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What is going on here? that there was this switch in the metaphor. And when else has David been sitting when when has David sat down and had a meal that was prepared for him in the presence of I of his enemies and um yeah, and it was the Lord that seems like he was the one that was doing it. It's very interesting if we jump over to Luke 15 when we're thinking about this part right here. In Luke 15, Jesus has just finished having, again, a row with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are giving Jesus a hard time. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, complaining, said, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke this parable to them, saying, And that's when he gets into the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, the parable of the lost sheep. Now, this is really interesting that perhaps David prophetically is looking forward to a time when this shepherd would come. And this shepherd who would come would prepare, would host a banquet with those who around him think are unworthy of the banquet. Jesus here, who is the fulfillment of the Old Testament shepherd image, sits down, with sinners and tax collectors, which are two of their ancient terms to describe people that are more or less unworthy to sit down with God. And he sits down and has a meal with them. The good shepherd. And this good shepherd is who breaks bread with them, both in David's time and this time, what it means to break bread with somebody in their ancient Near Eastern culture means to extend friendship. This is why he's called the friend of tax collectors. He's eating with them. When you eat with someone in their culture, it is, uh, not an endorsement of their lifestyle, but an extension, uh, invitation of friendship. And this is often why Jesus got in trouble with those around him. And why this is so beautiful. The shepherd image, there's so much more to say. If you want to dig even further into it, You can look at Ezekiel chapter 34, um, because for God, um, the leaders, the religious leaders were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel, and they were supposed to take care of the, the oppressed and marginalized, and they didn't. They actually began to turn around, and their sheep, which was the people, Um, it says that they actually began to devour them. So this shepherd, the religious elite of Israel, who was supposed to protect, um, actually abused. And God said in Ezekiel 34 that God will never let something like that slide. If you've had any sort of horrific experience with with leadership, with somebody that was supposed to be a good shepherd over over you. Just know that God says that that is not okay. And God doesn't forget things like that. And that there will be a day of judgment for those who have done things like that. back to Psalm 23 and let's, let's close with one final thought. And the final thought is this, and is especially for those who have suffered. I have suffered greatly in my 33 years, probably far less than many of you, but I know what it is like to lose People that are very close to me. Uh, for example, my brother Andrew passed away, 2019, from cancer. Um, my wife and I have lost uh, many people as we've been married uh, for seven years. So grandparents, friends, other family members, and we know what it's like. But out of Psalm 23 has been one of the most comforting truths and something I want to leave you with. And it's actually the center verse of the entire psalm. And in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The very center of David's spiritual journey is that even at the darkest, most painful time where there is real things to fear and real evil, that God has been there and for David this is a very spiritual sense but for you and I it changes because God actually came 2,000 years ago and dwelt among us in, 20, in Psalm 23, it is perhaps one of the most holy of the Psalms, because here we see an experience, a foretaste of the incarnation of God. That God, who created the heavens and the earth, left the heavens to dwell among human beings. It is absolutely stunning. And I know that in the most painful times of my life, the thing that I have wanted most in those painful spots is the presence of others. That I'm not alone in my pain, but that others come around and gather around me. And those have been the times that I've been able to get through the best. God is saying the same thing for you. That he is not so cold and distant that he remains afar off. But he has entered into the creation. He has entered into time and space. He knows what it's like to suffer. And he wants to be right in the middle of it with you as he was for David, as he was for me, and as he has been for so many of us. And he wants you to dwell in that, his house forever. He wants to help you. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your walk. Invite him into your spiritual journey. And you will see him Carry you along, lead you, guide you, protect you. Stunning. What a stunning song. That's all I have for you guys today. God bless you. I hope this helps. And if you have any questions, feel free to get a hold of me. Take care. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.